What's up, guys? Welcome to The Strength Connection. I'm Michael Kurkowski. I'm here to connect you with the top minds in the world of strength to share stories, insights, and experiences to help you become stronger every day. Today, I have one of my favorite people to talk to on the podcast. David Whitley, aka The Iron Tamer, is back with me. This is the second time I've had him on this podcast. I also got to speak to him a couple of times on the Breakthrough Secrets podcast as well. Dave has, I've known Dave for a very long time. He was at one of my first uh, ever RKC events uh, back in 2010. Uh, when I first met him, he is an old-time strongman, a motivational speaker, an author of the book Superhuman You, which I've recommended to numerous people on this podcast as well as my old clients. And today we got a chance to dive into a very specific topic, which is something that we all do every single day, and that is breath work, specifically Dave's training with the Wim Hof method. So I was curious to talk with Dave about Wim Hof and his breath training because there's a lot of debate still about what is the best avenue for breath work, uh, nose breathing versus mouth breathing, um, the deep inhalation, the cold exposure that they do from Wim Hof has shown to have huge benefits, not only for the physical health, but also the mental health as well. So I was excited to talk with Dave, who has been a practitioner and an instructor with this for a very long time about his experience with it, what exactly this breath training is, and how you can start to incorporate it into your practice, regardless of if you've done any breath work at all, or if you have been doing this for a very long time, you're gonna still get a lot of benefit from this. So. You can find Dave at uh, superhumanubook.com or superhumanucoaching.com for his specific work uh, regarding coaching. And he also has a event coming up for the Wim Hof training in Nashville this weekend. There should still be some spots left available. If you are in the area, if you wanna make the trip, I guarantee that's gonna be worth your while to go to. We will leave a link in here in the, con in the show notes for you. And uh, again, this is an absolutely awesome uh, discussion that I had with Dave. Time absolutely flew by here um, with him, and uh, I know you guys are going to enjoy it. So, without further ado, we'll get on with the show. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll catch you on the inside. Dave, here we are again. Good to see you, my friend. Good to see you too. Good to yeah. be back. Thanks for taking the time. I appreciate it. Indeed. Hello, everybody. <laughs> So this is, I'm, I'm really excited for this one. Um, you know, as I was just saying uh, off air, we're going to talk some deep stuff about breath work and with Wim Hof. And there's so much, I think, confusion that goes on a lot with breath work. Everybody knows if you're in the strength field that it is a benefit to put a practice in like this, but mm -hmm. there's still a lot of different modalities that go in. I know personally, this has been something that I have scratched the surface, maybe got like two feet under for a bit and then kind yeah. of, but going into really the, the benefits behind specifically the, the Wim Hof method of mm -hmm. um, training and breath work, what it entails. That's where we're going to get into. So again, thanks for the time. This is going to be really exciting. Fun. Yeah. So if you are just to kind of set the stage a little bit for listeners, if you haven't listened before at all, uh, I'm with David Whitley. He is a all-time strongman, motivational speaker, author. I've had the privilege of knowing Dave since I first got really into the strength world back in the RKC days of, I think like 12 years ago when yeah. I got started. And um, he's been on the podcast, been the Breakthrough Secrets podcast before. You can go back and check out those episodes where we got into really Dave's origin story, um, how he created the book, Superhuman You, getting into this uh, really the old-time strongman base work as well. Mm -hmm. And we also got into a lot of the stuff with mindset connection, mindset and strength. Um, so please, if you haven't listened to those, go back and take a look. We'll put the links into the show notes for you. But 
to kick this one off, uh, Dave, with Wim Hof and breath training, if people don't know exactly what it is we're talking about, if you can give maybe a brief description about what this method is and then kind of go into what was it about this practice that you wanted to explore for yourself? Sure thing. Well, let's start big, big picture first. What's the most important thing you're going to do today? Breathe. <laughs> Breathe, right? Um, and, you know, there's, there's, we could go on and on about the wrong answers to that. But if we're all going to do it, no matter what, and it is literally the most important thing that we're going to do, um, it would seem to me that we should pay some attention to exactly what's going on and why um, it's, it's something that, that warrants our attention. You know, um, the, the biggest um, objection that I've gotten from anybody, and it happens more often than you would think too, when we start talking about breath work is like, well, I already know how to breathe. Why do I need to practice that? Okay. Um, these people obviously um, feel the same way about reading books too you know, so. or, or a move or a movement, then all of a sudden yeah, you do yeah. a movement assessment and realize, yeah, not so much. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go into the whole, I used to could do that mode, but um, <laughs> it's, it's the, the most um, important thing that we're going to do at any given moment. Right. I saw some meme the other day that said, you know, we're always about three minutes away from dying, but uh, we have a reset button. We hit every time we inhale. Wow. Like, well, that's, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. You know, like, and if you don't believe me that it's the most important thing, uh, just take, just take a couple hours out of your day and see if you can skip it. You know, I can hold my <laughs> breath a long time, but yeah, it's, it's vital. And if you don't believe that, um, then also consider this, that the moment that it becomes compromised, that your breathing becomes compromised. And I mean like really compromised, um, yeah, suddenly nothing else in the world matters except being able to get your breath up and online. Right. Yeah. And because we know, mm -hmm. and, and that's reflexive response and all that. So having said that all of us do it, it would make sense that we should at least pay some attention to it. If not put some practice into learning to do it well, and also learning to do it in a way that benefits us more. Most cultures. In fact, I can't think of a single culture that I know much about throughout history, um, have some sort of a breathing method included. If you look at, you know, all of the Asian breathwork stuff, there's uh, um, European schools of thought on it, all these different um, modalities that exist within different cultures. Um, and this is because it is a universal experience. And somewhere along the way, people realize that if they start to work with their own breath, then they can elicit different responses, both in their mind in their perception of the world and also physical body health benefits. Um, the interesting thing about breathing and the reason I think that is, that is such a, a powerful thing is it can be completely automatic or it can be completely consciously controlled, which we don't have a whole lot of uh, bodily functions that are that way. Mm -hmm. We can exercise complete control over them or we can ignore them and they will just keep running, which is, pretty interesting to me as well. And yeah. I, I see that as being like the interface between um, 3D reality, physical world, conscious awareness of what's going on right now in front of me and everything that goes on subconsciously and energetically that's happening in the background that I'm not using my conscious mind to think about because the conscious mind can only hold one thought at a time. As I'm sitting here talking about the conscious mind, most of the people who are listening, if they're actually paying attention to what I'm saying, 
aren't thinking about their breath. But the moment I say the word breath, people tend to right. up a little straighter and breathe a little bit deeper because their attention's brought back to it. Mm -hmm. I think that's the interface between the inner workings of our mind and, and what we use our mind to accomplish in our day-to-day -day life. Um, we can definitely um, undoubtedly influence our body chemistry through our breathing. We can breathe and make our pH more alkaline. We can do various different things like that. Um, and so if we can change our body chemistry, okay, that exists. And if our body chemistry, which I talked about before on this show, mm -hmm. um, every thought, every emotion, every experience, everything that we have that's going on, every movement um, has a physiological chemical, let's call it a signature that goes along with it. So if you are, um, if I'm going to stand up and sit back down, there is a plethora of chemical reactions that have to happen between my brain and my muscles and all of that just to make that thing happen. And that happens on a subconscious level. I just simply think stand up or, or I just go to stand up. I didn't have to think the words stand up. I just had to decide to stand up and these chemical reactions just cascade through and I'm done. Right. Um, we can use our breath to influence these chemical states that are going on inside of ourselves because it's not just our, you know, our physical movement and things that are going on with like, you know, ATP production and all that kind of, um, and anyone who knows me knows that I'm not a science guy. I know just enough science to um, to say something incorrect. So if I'm <laughs> off on any of this and you're a science person, okay, that's fine. I admit mm -hmm. it. You're right. I'm wrong. The interesting thing about what can go on at that chemical level, at a, the, the chemical environment physiologically at the uh, cellular level is that we can influence our mood, right? And that sounds like new news, but then if you think about it, all your life, when you get upset about something, what is the, the standard advice to, that people will give you? Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath and relax, right? <laughs> so if, if, if fundamentally we know that take a deep breath and relax is at the core of solving any physical or emotional problem that we have going on, again, it warrants some practice, right? So if we can influence our body chemistry, we can then directly influence our mental state. Sometimes it can be very difficult if we're feeling emotionally in a particular way, <clears throat> angry, sad, mm -hmm. uh, depressed, grieving, whatever. And we don't want to feel that way. And the advice at large is, well, just think about something else. Think about something happy. And that works sort of, you can put on some music and that you like and, and sort of change your state with that. But if you really want to get down into the cellular chemical level of stuff, you can use your breathing to penetrate that and elicit a real change at the cellular level. I mean, the, the stuff that, that is going on research wise from the Wim Hof camp showing um, the effects of these breathing methods on the immune system, which has been very well documented. Um, I'll, I'm sure I'll talk more about that in yep. a moment on a mental state, like dealing with things like PTSD with veterans with, um, and, and I know at least two veterans personally who have breathed their way out of PTSD despair type things that are going on from, from having been in service. Um, and, and I know two people personally that I've helped with, with, you know, pointing them in the right. I didn't actually coach them personally, but they asked me for help. I directed them towards some Wim Hall stuff and, and they went from there. Um, all of these things can be 
if not 100% controlled, they can be influenced and regulated through our breath. And think about that. If you wake up and you, for whatever reason, have the blahs or you don't feel good or you're depressed or, or you do know the reason, you know, like maybe, maybe there's been some tragedy in your life and you're feeling sad about it and you don't want to be stuck in that emotional state anymore, you can use breathing to change the chemistry that is associated with that emotional state exactly the same way that you could use um, a prescribed medication to change chemical levels in your body. But breath work is natural. Breath work is um, free. Breath work is probably more powerful in my opinion, in my experience. And I don't want to discount anything that's going on with anybody's mental health issues. I don't want to make light of anybody's use of medication or, or you know, pass judgment on that. I'm not doing that at all. If that's working for you and that's the thing that you need right now and it's helping you feel better, that's awesome. That's great. Mm -hmm. I simply want to let everyone know through my own experience and through the science that's being done, um, particularly in the Wim Hof camp, that that is not the only way. And right. I encourage people who are looking for a different way, people who may not want to be in that state, people who may not want to be taking medication to explore this. Um, I'm not saying quit taking your medication and go take an ice bath and breathe. I'm saying explore it, research it on your own and, and go at it with the mind of a child. Like, what can I learn from this? Yeah. So um, my two primary um, um, schools of thought on breath work are Hoshin Dao Qigong, which is part of a martial arts system that I've studied and practiced for a long time. And then the Wim Hof method. I've been doing breath work stuff since the mid nineties. So 25 plus years coming up on 30 years, I guess. And the thing that I love about the Wim Hof method is that he has removed all of the, um, dogmatic spiritual religious stuff that tends to get attached to a lot of breath work, mm -hmm. particularly, um, Eastern and Indian breath work. Um, and stripped all that away and said, okay, here are the exercises science in the in the university studies is looking at the um physiological effects of it this is what's going on that is measurable and observable by anyone regardless of their philosophical or religious outlook mm -hmm. so i love that he's done that that he's taken um that mysteriousness out of it now you know i'm a i'm a woo-woo guy too so um i'm interested in, in how all that works but um that is one of the really cool things about the Wim Hof method itself. Yeah. So um, having said all that, my own um, backstory on that, having done breath work for a long time and having been introduced to the idea of cold exposure, because there's, there's three, there's three parts to the Wim Hof method and we'll mm -hmm. cover all of them. There's the breath work, there's the cold exposure, and then there's the mindset stuff. And those things all work together um, synergistically but we can talk about each one of them as we go along. So for me, I had been exposed. I had been introduced to cold exposure. I don't want to use that same word in a sentence twice. I get too exposed that way. Um, <laughs> I'd been introduced to cold exposure um, back in the RKC days with um, a practice of uh, dousing, which is where you would just take a couple of, I would take a couple of five gallon buckets. I'd put water in them. I'd let them sit out in the wintertime overnight they would get cold. Sometimes I'd have to, you know, chip ice off the top of them, whatever. And I'm glad I just dumped that water over my head and, Ooh. and, um, do some, some breathing and some mm -hmm. standing breathing exercises, that kind of stuff and get invigorated and going about my day. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was pretty cool. Um, in 2013, my mother passed away and that was in early December. 
And I was reeling from that, you know, um, went to do uh, Christmas with my in-laws. So it's been about three weeks since my mom passed away. I'm watching TV um, late at night by myself, just kind of flipping through channels. And there was a documentary thing. I think it was a, a National Geographic thing, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, and they had Wim Hof on here. And I'm like, always interested in things that have to do that is superhuman, which we've talked about before. It's just doing things that people do to an extreme or excessive degree. So this guy was on here and he was swimming under meter thick ice in a lake for like, I don't know how long, he, how far he swam in that thing, 60 meters, 70 meters, something like that. It was, it was a record swim. I know yeah, I believe at yeah. the time, right? <laughs> yeah, it was a record swim all underwater. Um, and I found out later that, um, that when they came to shoot that he had done a practice run like the day before or something. And he had initially not worn goggles. And the cold affected his eyes in such a way that like his, his, his lids were trying to freeze shut or something. I don't remember exactly what it was, but anyway, he wore goggles when he did it for real, but he almost got stuck during the, the, um, the oh, gosh. practice training run of it. And I may be, I may be leaving some facts out of that. I'm not hundred percent sure, but, uh, um, cause I've, I've only heard that story a couple of times, but anyway, um, so I see this guy doing this and, and there's like, they, they put him in this plexiglass thing and fill it up with ice to his neck and he stayed in there for like an hour and 50 minutes or something and i'm like okay i'm taking no more than 10 gallons of water and pouring it over my head and standing there for two minutes and i'm thinking that's awesome and that you know that i'm doing something and i'm looking at this guy and i'm like okay i just had that moment where i'm the guy in in lifetime fitness who can deadlift 185 and thinks he's strong Mm -hmm. and he sees eddie hall on tv right, right? Like, oh oh that and so oh, yeah so there's there's two ways that can go it can completely crush your spirit and you give up and go play video games or you can become intrigued and be like i want to know what this guy's doing that got right. him there right mm -hmm. um and even if you never get to a 500 kilo deadlift if you go from 185 to 500 pounds that's you know so yeah. um the more i found out about it the more i realized that the, the surface level of these extreme hardcore uh, beast mode feats of endurance and cold exposure that Wim was doing were just a surface level thing. And what was actually going on was very much um, um, a calm, peaceful, relaxed, aware, in the moment, loving, um, meditating hippie kind of approach to things. And mm -hmm. that appealed to me even more. I'm like, okay, this guy's figured out the, the marriage between the extreme hardcore physical and the peaceful, calm right. center of okay. his mind. Um, and in that, in that program, he talked about that he had always been drawn to the cold and he'd done all these, these different things with meditation and all the, you know, exploring his mind and his body. Um, but the thing that really clinched it for me from, um, from him telling his story is he was married to a woman. They had four children and she was um, trying to remember her diet. I want to say she was bipolar, um, but it, I'm not hundred percent sure. She had something going on um, with, uh, with a mental illness. And she mm -hmm. literally um, just like one day got up, made breaks for the kids, sent them off to school, jumped out the window and killed herself. Like no one knew that it was coming and it just, it completely shook him. And he used breathing and cold exposure and the focusing of his mind to um, um, resolve all of that grief wow. and everything that was going yeah. on along with losing the wife, his wife and the mother of his kids. Um, 
not unexpectedly, but shockingly, if you understand right. what I mean. Yeah, Apparently she, she had been suicidal in the past, but um, like no one saw this coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he found joy on the other side of, of the breathing in the ice and was able to, you know, resolve everything within himself and, and be at peace with it. That appealed to me a great deal because I'm sitting there watching that morning, the passing of my own mother, which wasn't unexpected wow. and, and was actually quite, uh, she was, she had been very ill for a long time. And it was one of those cases of it. It was, I was very sad that she was gone, but I was also relieved that she wasn't suffering anymore Mm -hmm. because the the last few years of her life, she wasn't really the same person anymore. Um, So knowing that that was something that was going on with women, he really got my attention. So before the end of that program, I had gone onto Amazon and ordered a book that was written back then called um, I think it's called becoming the Iceman. He wrote it with a guy named, Justin Rosales, I think mm-hmm. the book itself is okay. Um, right. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a good introduction to it, um, but there's have sub, uh, since then been several books that, that he's been involved with that are better than that. In my yeah. opinion, in my experience, um, one of which is um, maybe becoming the Iceman is the one that I've got on my shelf. No, mm-hmm. the, the, the Wim Hof method is the one that he wrote. I just looked over and saw it on my shelf. Right. Okay. So, um, that's the one to check out first, in my opinion, because that's him uh, within the past few years sitting down and writing his story himself. And so you can read it and it's in his voice. Anyway, I um, ordered that book and it was waiting for me when we got back to my house. And I also went and checked out his website and found out that there was an online 10 week course that I could take. So I signed up for that and started practicing it. That was December. By February, um, we had our typical sort of cold very short Tennessee winter. And it, it was in the, the air temperature was in the mid twenties. And I went out to a lake and, and I had gotten one of those little, um, um, aquarium thermometers. Okay. And I dropped it in the, the wall right at the edge of the lake to see what the temperature was. Water temperature was 33 degrees Fahrenheit. And so there was like little bits of ice starting to form around the um, the shoreline, but it, so it wasn't like, you know, chopping a hole in, in several feet of ice and jumping in, but it was cold water. And I went and I spent three minutes in that and I, it's on YouTube and, uh, got back to my car. I was feeling great. And then the, what we call the after drop hit me. And, um, I realized that I had made a horrible mistake. I had stayed in the water way longer than I needed to. And it took me hours to recover from that. So, um, if we're going to talk about cold exposure, I'm going to, the best advice, um, that, don't do what I did. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> well, that's the second best advice. Don't do what I did. Um, the, the, like, if you're going to get a soundbite out of it, Wim Hof said, if you're going to play in the cold, get in it and get out of it before it gets into you. Mm. Cause that's, that's something I talk about with progressive, progressive training. You know, you can do progressive cold training for sure. Um, and you can start with moderate temperatures and get colder. You can start with short duration and get longer. Just it's very much like lifting weights. The difference is if you go into the gym and you put too much weight on the bar, you might not be able to lift it. Worst case scenario, you might get hurt. Mm-hmm. If you if you overdo it with the cold one time, you could die. You could right. literally be dead at the end of it. Um, and if you don't die, you could wind up with you know frostbite and lose you know fingers and toes mm-hmm. and stuff. So it's it's lifting weights is serious. Cold is really, really serious. Right. So, um, I realized a mistake that I made there and this wasn't, it was, I compared to like being the, the newbie who has just gotten over, you know, 
um, being sore and you go in and you try to do something really extreme and then you're, you know, you're laid up in bed for four or five days because okay. yep. <laughs> it was that same kind of experience. I had to go through it myself. Mm-hmm. Um, there was less information available then. I'm hoping that my experience doing that will deter anyone from having to go through that because there's no need to sit around shivering and be numb for hours after you've done this. Um, mm-hmm. So I went and I did that. Sign up for the team. When, when you jumped into the lake for the three minutes, was that premeditated? Were you knowing oh, yeah. you were going to go for three? Okay. No, no, I didn't know how long I was going to be in there. I was just, I was shooting video and I was keeping track of it. And so again, there was another mistake. My attention was split between holding the, the camera and being in the water. Okay. Um, if I, if I were in that same position, but not shooting video on myself, I probably would have been able to have better control over everything as well. I right. Probably, Cause your focus would be different. It would have been, my focus would have been different and I probably would have been able to endure it a little bit better because I would be more in touch with my body. And I also, because I was, would be more in touch with my body would have gotten out sooner because I would have, you know, recognized some Realize what was going on. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, that's, that's a ca- caveat for that. Um, which again goes back to the, I, uh, to the um, the third pillar, which is the mindset. It's being present, aware in your body and being aware of what's going on around you and inside you all at the same time. It's kind of a nebulous thing to try to describe. But it's, it's vitally important, right? And so um, the three things, you can't really separate them in practice. Um, I mean, you can, you can separate cold exposure from the other two, but if you're going to do cold exposure, you have to bring those other two into it to get the optimal benefit out of it, right? Gotcha. Right? Okay. Um, so you can practice Wim Hof method and not do cold exposure. If that just freaks you out completely, um, that's fine. You just aren't doing the full thing, right? You're mm-hmm. doing, you're, you're, you're skipping leg day is what you're doing. If you do that. So gotcha. Don't, okay. Don't, don't be that guy. If yeah. you skip any part of it, you're skipping leg right. day because they're all as important yeah. as leg day. Yeah. That's, um, that's one of the biggest debates I think I've seen <clears> with Wim Hof is can you do one versus the other? Because like, I know, I don't, I don't know if anybody like fully loves embracing the cold, you know, it's like you, I'm sure you get better at it and you can, and when you see the benefits of it, you know, when you see results from something, obviously it's something that, you know, works really well. So you have a different perspective on it, but for me, it was looking at it, the breath work actually was a little bit more nerve wracking than mm-hmm. even the cold exposure um, of the, the deep inhalate, the deep inhalations and exhalations. You mm-hmm. know, from it. And that was one of the things that when I first read Wim Hof, a lot of debates about, you know, oh, how should I breathe and stuff? And I believe he says, like, just breathe. It's like, yeah. just just do the breath, like don't overcomplicate it. Just go into. He, 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 he literally sums it up by saying breathe motherfucker yeah exactly. <laughs> you know um it, it it i love the the approach and the philosophy that pervades the whole thing of don't don't take my word for it go test it out go try it for yourself and see what you get out of it and if you get the same thing out of it that everyone else is getting awesome if you don't get anything out of it you don't have to do it you know and as far as the debate about can you do do you know leave the cold out and do the breath or whatever uh, we're we're grown. We can do whatever we want to do. Mm-hmm. It's not, can you do this? You can do any of it or not do any of it that you want to. The real question is what is the most beneficial? What is optimal? And what do I want to do? Where do I want to be? What do I want to accomplish within myself and, and within my own personal environment? That's right. the real question to ask. Um, whenever someone says, can you do one without the other? What I think they're really saying is, I don't want to do this other one. I'm it's scared shitless of this one, exactly. <laughs> it or it freaks me out, or whatever. Um, 
So if we're talking about cold versus uh, breath on those two, the answer actually lies in, in the, the third pillar, which is your mindset. What's going on in your mind that is telling you that this thing that is proven to be beneficial to you is something that you're not willing to participate in? What's going on in your mind there? And if you don't want to, like I said, if you don't want to participate in it, that's fine. But understand there's something in your own mind that is limiting you from, from a possibility. At the very least, give yourself permission to not like it through experience rather than deciding ahead of time that it's something you're not interested in. You know, it's, it's, it's like trying a new food. I got a three-year-old son. He loves to eat. He loves to eat. And sometimes we'll give him something new. I really like this. And sometimes we'll try to give him something new and he'll say, I don't like that. And I said, have you tried it? No. How do you know you don't like it? I don't want to try it. And I'm like, that's what's up. That's right it. That's what's right. up. If you don't want to try it. That's fine. But don't tell me you don't like it if you've never tried it. And then sometimes he'll try it and he likes it and then, or he'll try it and he'll spit it back out, you know, and that's all well and good. I think that that right there is a, um, a blueprint for ways to, for a way to experience life um, that will help us all to um, take whatever preconceived notions and conditionings we've been carrying around for years, just because someone told it to us when we were a kid and we never questioned it. What if it doesn't serve us? Can we leave it behind? Or, you know, you can always go back to doing something that, that doesn't serve you if you try something else and don't like it, you know, exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like if, if, if you don't want to get up and go to the gym every morning, and you're in great shape, you can always stop and go back to being out of shape. Nothing right. preventing you from that at all. You know, so there's um, the approach that comes in from WIM and the entire community really takes the, the social pressure off of it. You know, you go to a Wim Hof event, like um, I'm doing one this weekend. We were, we're going to talk about that, right? I'm yep. doing one this weekend. This is what, January 31st, February 5th and 6th in Nashville. Myself and another instructor are doing a workshop there. Mm -hmm. and we tell everybody at the very beginning, no one is going to force you to participate in anything that you don't want to participate in. We right. will encourage you to do it if you're hesitant. We will support you if you're hesitant and don't do it. We will support you if you're hesitant, do it anyway and find yourself freaking out. Mm -hmm. that's what we're there for is to help guide you through that stuff, <laughs> which in turn builds that third pillar of the mind. Right. Yeah. So uh, where was I? 2014 out in the lake um, got closer to danger than I, than I, even today closer than I, than I care to admit it. Um, looking back on it, I'm like, that was, that was pretty dumb for me to do that. Cause then I had to get in the car and drive back home. Oh and, gosh. Okay. And, and, and I couldn't do this without yeah. excruciating pain <laughs> so i just sat there in the car with the car running um you know was able to change out of my wet clothes and there were people there <laughs> you know I'm, I'm i'm like i don't care i'm gonna get naked and get oh naked. My <laughs> I'm like, why are you in the water i'm like just leave me alone um <laughs> it's this breath thing this guy from from the netherlands oh my gosh yeah, <laughs> yeah. so um well, it's, it's just funny with, with the, with the mindset piece is so interesting. It's because I think if you look at those three pillars, like everybody who would be interested in looking at this as a practice, we mm -hmm. all want to be, we, we all want to help in mindset. You know, everybody wants a better mindset, but a lot of times, like we don't even know what that means from there, but, right. but the breath work, what I think is so interesting is that it really is the, for physical health and improving your physical and mental health, it is really the most 
even playing field we can possibly get from somebody who's an elite athlete all the way to somebody who hasn't exercised at all. Cause as you mentioned at the beginning, we all breathe, you know, mm -hmm. people come, Oh, I know how to breathe. It's like, it's something that when, you know, that big word that we you know looked at in functional training is carryover. Everybody wants right. carryover, whatever you're doing should carry over into everyday life and mm -hmm. something like breathing where subconsciously or consciously you can do it both ways like mm -hmm. if you actually put a conscious practice into it you're going to see the carryover of how this benefits you probably a lot more than even a meditation or a physical strength training because you're going to breathe throughout the rest of the day regardless it's going to make a difference you know for mm -hmm. you so yeah exactly and, and and let's think about this for a moment can we all agree from a performance health and fitness physique transformation, whatever physical activity thing that you're into, can we all agree that nutrition has an effect on that? I mean, anyone who, anyone who says it doesn't is, is they're either wrong or they're yeah, joking, yeah. right? Um, because if you're eating in a particular way that supports whatever you're doing physically and you're performing at whatever level goes along with that, and you decide to take two days off and go drink beer and eat chips and and not, you know, mm -hmm. not change anything else, still get the same amount of sleep. Um, when those two days are over, are you going to perform as well? Maybe, maybe not. Will you feel good while you're performing that way? And that's the big thing. Is your is everything going to work as well? And if if you're doing something at a level where um, whatever it is, say, say you're swinging kettlebells and and this this amount of weight for this amount of reps represents a seven out of ten in my um, rate of perceived effort. Right? Mm -hmm. um, let's let's use let's use hundred snatches in five minutes. Hundred snatches in five minutes of twenty four kilo kettlebell represents say an eight out of ten, mm -hmm. seven out of ten my perceived effort. Something it it uh, it'll I'll notice it, but it's not gonna you know wipe me out completely. Right? Mm -hmm. If I do what I just described and go in and I'm still able to get those same hundred reps in five minutes, what's my rate of perceived effort? Is it nine? Is it 10? It's certainly not going to be six, you know? Right. Um, so if we can agree that that nutrition can have that kind of effect, even if you're still able to do the same task, it will feel harder if you've exactly. been gorging on junk food, right? <laughs> okay. Nutrition has an effect on our performance. We all have to eat, right? Logically, let's look at this. We all have to breathe. Therefore, does our breathing have an effect on our performance? Well, we've already said that breathing can directly influence chemical processes at a cellular level. So the answer is, of course. Right. Of course. I, mean, I literally had a guy two weeks ago send me a Facebook message. He had gone through um, um, kettlebell certification, and I had... Somewhere along the way, I had never even talked to the guy, but he ran across an article or a video or something I did several years ago when I was first getting involved with Wim Hof stuff where I was using um, Wim Hof method type stuff as a precursor to a workout and then doing breathing ladders where I would do like, I don't know, say 10 swings and one breath and then 20 mm -hmm. swings, set it down and do two big, long, smooth breaths. Yep. And he said that got him through the entire weekend and no one else knew how to do it. And things that, that were just knocking people down and killing them conditioning wise, people who were already in shape, he was just sailing right through them because he was, he was keeping his cellular chemistry in a place he was still fresh all the time. And I'm like, well, that's, that's cool. I'm glad that it helped. You know, um, when you're able to do that, 
you're able to see things that are going on in your in your world from a slightly different perspective. You know, there's a an, um, to to go back to the mental aspect of this stuff. If you're breathing that way and you know that, OK, I'm, I'm starting to feel some effects of whatever situation I've gotten myself involved in, be it physical or be it, you know, traffic or something going on at work, whatever. I can go and spend a couple of minutes, just a few minutes breathing in a particular way to a particular purpose and change that chemistry, change my mindset and be looking at the situation from an entirely different point of view than I was when I was feeling stressed out or worried or, or, or whatever. Right. Um, also, if you get up and you're able to go do, you know, 60 seconds, 90 seconds, two minutes in an ice bath, which is, um, about as long as is necessary. Like that's the, 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 um, the high end of, of where the health benefits are, anything beyond that, the health benefits of an ice bath start to, you start to get diminishing returns. Gotcha. Not, that it's, not that it's necessarily a bad idea to do, you know, a longer cold exposure, but the, if the, the minimal dose is around two, um, 90 seconds to two minutes to get the health benefits. And if you, if you're doing cold showers, then that's all you need to do. You don't have to stand in a shower for 30 minutes doing it. Um, if you can do that, when you come out of that ice bath, it leads to a feeling of whatever pops up in front of me today. I am not at all concerned about being able to handle it because I'm doing this thing that people think I'm absolutely insane for doing, mm -hmm. but I'm doing it and I'm not forcing myself through it. I'm embracing it and it's becoming a part of what I am and I'm, I'm thriving and joyfully engaging in things that most people, when they see it, think that's insane. There's no way I'd ever do that or the you know me being from from south and from out in the country you, obviously if you go outside and it's cold especially if you get wet you will get sick i mean that's that's the thing you know i went outside with my hair wet now i have a sinus infection i shouldn't have done that well <clears throat> that's a mindset thing if you yes. believe that'll happen it's going to happen <laughs> but if you I look at believe Wim, Wim had that quote right of cold is an emotion it's cold like, is an emotion absolutely yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's not all it is, but that's definitely an aspect to it. And that the, the emotion of cold can be, um, it's so primal that it comes down to, to, it, it can be viewed through the lens of one of the two basic mind, uh, the mindset, emotional mindsets. And I'm trying to say the two basic emotional mindsets are, are, are a, a state, let's call it a state. The two basic states from which everything else flows is a state of love or a state of fear. Yes. Whatever you've got going on mentally, emotionally, if you trace it back far enough, it lands in one of those two categories. And the thing about it is they're actually only one category expressed differently, right? Yes. If I love something, it's got all my attention, all my emotion wrapped up in it. And I'm very excited and, and I, I can't stop thinking about it because I just love it so much and it excites me. If I'm afraid of something, I worry, I fret, I can't get it out of my mind. I draw up and I'm afraid, but it's still, it's the same thing. It's, it's like electricity. I can use it to power my, my lights and my computer, or if I misuse it, it could kill me, right? Right. Love and fear are actually the same sort of vibratory frequency mm -hmm. and cold sits right in the middle of all that because it takes us back to such a primal basic thing um, that, that it, 
it's like a, a primal reset button for our emotions, right? You, yeah. if you get in the cold, like you get in an ice bath, you're not thinking about the deadline you have at work or the argument you had with your spouse. You're not. And if you do, then you either need to get out or let that go because you're, you're splitting your attention. Like I did with the camera. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's not where the, yes. the max, you know, you, you can either not get maximal benefits or there's a continuum that takes you to, um, where you get all of the benefit, all, all of the not benefits, whatever the opposite, all the detriment, right. you know, all the, yeah. the negative stuff that goes along with it if you persist in it. So yeah, it's such a basic primal thing. Yeah. When you come out of that ice bath, or even when you come out of the, the, of a breathing session, there is a feeling that goes along with that of being more whole and being more in control of the meat suit that you're walking around in and how it interacts and interfaces with your environment. Um, the, um, from a physiological standpoint, I want to make sure that I, that I don't leave this out. The, both the breathing and the cold exposure affect the cardiovascular system in such a way um, that this is explaining why someone who has better control of their breath can do thrivingly better in, um, in a very physically ex exert exertive situation. Um, we have a circulatory system. We have blood vessels. If we lined all those blood vessels end to end, it's something like 120 kilometers, right? Like if you did it end to end, you could literally circle the globe at the, at the equator, right? Um, that's a lot of blood vessels. And the heart's job is to pump blood through those blood vessels, right? We all know that. But what we don't think about is what's actually going on in those blood vessels, especially at the extremities. If you look at the anatomy of, of a blood vessel, it's a tube with a valve in it, and those valves open and close, right? Um, and the, the way those valves kind of open and close, there's like tiny little sphincter muscles at whatever distance they are apart from each other along those blood vessels, particularly when we get out into the extremities and the capillaries and stuff, right? So if we go out into the cold, or we don't have to go out into the cold, let's say we take our hand. And my hand is whatever color it is right now, right? This, this particular shade. And I stick my hand in a bucket full of ice and I pull it out about 45 seconds or a minute later, maybe two minutes later, it will be very, very white. Yes. Right. The skin will go very pale. Mm -hmm. Right. If I put it, put it back in and persist in that after a little while, I'll pull it back out. The skin will start to turn red. It will be a much darker color than what yeah. it is now much much more red mm -hmm. color um you see this if you go outside if you got kids and you go outside like i did i got a very very um fair-skinned son and his cheeks turn really really <laughs> bright red yeah. almost immediately right well what's going on here <clears throat> physiologically exposure to the cold in the extremities the initial response is the body wants to keep the brain and everything at the core, the heart, lungs, all that stuff running optimally because that's survival. We need to keep it warm. Nervous system senses very cold and it automatically and reflexively will restrict blood flow to extremities in favor of the core to keep the core warm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it's kind of like an army retreating almost like into the home base. Yeah. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a threat. We're going to, we're going to mm -hmm. marshal yeah. our forces around, you know, one spot. Mm -hmm. like, playing, like playing chess, you're going to protect your queen. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. 
And the body's wisdom being that if we lose a pinky toe or if we lose a finger as an organism, we survive. That's, that's evolution, right? Gotcha. Mm -hmm. If we stay in it long enough, which is really more than a couple of minutes, the body starts to understand, okay, this is not life-threatening, but we also don't want to lose a pinky toe if we don't have to. We don't want to get frostbite on our cheeks. We don't want to lose a nose. So let's take this warm blood and redirect more of it out to the extremities than is happening in a, at a warmer temperature to warm the extremities. That's what's going on. And so um, that's the body's response and reaction to the cold. Um, any response, any reaction that we have will ultimately lead to a long-term adaptation if we practice it long enough, right? And you go in the gym and you do 20 minutes on a treadmill one time, that's not going to have a whole lot of effect on your cardiovascular system long-term. But if you do that every day and then you insert some sort of progression into it, it will have a long-term effect. So mm -hmm. the blood vessels in, in the human body, particularly in the extremities, operate in the same way. By exposing them to cold, we are training those little sphincter muscles to contract stronger and then okay. to relax. So we're literally doing strength training for tiny little muscles in our fingers, in our mm -hmm. toes. Right. Um, and as those muscles get stronger, they can take part in non cold related activities like us just sitting here right now. Mm -hmm. They, they are operating, you know, uh, as almost like course correction on the road they're operating, doing, doing their thing. And, the punchline to that is it takes load off the heart. You can do literally no other training besides breath work and cold exposure and get these responses. Cause when you do the really deep breath work, like we're going to talk about in just a minute, yep. you'll get tingly fingers. You'll get tingly toes. You'll get lightheaded. You might feel your ears start to tingle almost like right. you're in the cold, right? Um, uh, like a going numb kind of situation. Same thing is going on with the blood vessels there, right? So we're training the circulatory system to, take load from the heart and spread the load throughout the body more. So you can literally not do any cardio training, you know, <laughs> anything that would purposefully elevate your heart rate is what I mean by that. And just do the breath work and the cold exposure and your resting heart rate will go down. <laughs> resting heart rate is an indicator of cardiovascular health, right? <laughs> so if, if, if you combine that with other modalities, what if we get cold and we do breathing and we do cardio training and we do full-blown strength training? What happens then? We start to fire everything optimally, right? Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, we have to get our mind in a certain state. And then once we do that, that state is reinforced by the physical results we get. And so it sets up this perpetual upward spiral that helps everything out. Wow. Okay. Now, it's interesting because personally for me, before I even knew anything about Wim Hof or breath training, I did breath ladders as a training. And I had a like a snatch workout, kind of one-to-one, like two-to-one ratio. And without me even thinking about it, next time I did a snatch test was the best snatch test I ever did. Didn't mm -hmm. have to put the bell down, just super focused and controlled. So same, just like the guy that um, you spoke with a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. without even really... I mean, it's cardio training that you're doing, yeah. but it's not really like, you know, quote unquote cardio, like you're working that system yeah. all of a sudden, just naturally, just from the, just from the, the focus and not going into that situation where you're stressed out, knowing that you're in control of your breath, all of a sudden, mm -hmm. just in your mind now, not being in a kind of fight or flight position, you just build mm -hmm. your cardiovascular from there. Yep. Um, 
here's and I'm gonna throw this one out. I I I have a notebook full of various things that I've done uh, experimenting primarily with myself. I did it some with some clients, but like some of the stuff that I did, um, I wasn't able or I have never really been able to share with clients because they didn't do all of the stuff that led up to that. And so mm-hmm. we we couldn't just you know push them off into the deep end that way. But um, I started thinking in terms of what are the components of, of lifting and breathing. Um, and in particular with, with what Marty Gallagher would call sustained strength, anything like high rep kettlebell snatches or doing Bud Jeffries style um, um, long sets of kettlebell swings, doing 500, 800, a thousand or more in one set without setting it down. And by the way, um, today is what, 31st, Bud Jeffries, dear friend of mine, um, one of the strongest human beings that ever walked the planet, suddenly died and passed away during a workout um, a week ago on Friday, so like nine or 10 days ago. Mm-hmm. And if you're not familiar with Bud, go check his stuff out. He yes. was a phenomenal athlete, one of the most creative strength guys I've ever um, seen in my life. And he was good at everything. He could, you know, Zercher squat 600 pounds and then turn around and do 500 swings with a 24 kilo kettlebell and then go one arm press 150 pound kettlebell and then do the splits or <laughs> handstand pushups. I mean, he could literally do it all. So um, I, I have to mention Bud on here because he Absolutely was not appreciated. One of the most inspirational men I've ever spoken yeah. to before. He was one of the guys that got me thinking in terms of, of really high reps on mm-hmm. ballistic exercises. So breathing and that kind of sustained strength stuff goes together very, very well. So like one of the things that it, if, if you feel like playing with this, um, here's something that just popped into my mind a few minutes ago. And um, I don't, I don't have like what you need to do to work up to this readily available in my mind, but go give this a shot. <laughs> um, you're talking about snatching, right? Get a relatively light kettlebell. So like if you're you know, comfortable with snatching a 24 kilo, use a, a 16. If you're, you know, if you're a hoss and you're able to do a lot of reps with, a, say, a 32, use a 24, right? And so what we're going to do is one set of breathing ladders. Um, we're never going to put the kettlebell down, though. So, like, just, just to clarify, um, traditional breathing ladders, as I've understood them, is we might do them with, say, swings or snatches. Um you might pick up the kettlebell and do 10 swings and then set it down and do one long, slow, deep, smooth breath. Then pick up the kettlebell and do 20 and then set it down and do one long, slow, or, or two long, slow, smooth breaths like that. Work your way up to say 50 and back down, right? Um, and you will have done your recovery breaths. Um, you'll have only done a few breaths, but it matches whatever the, the number of reps is. So if you go up mm-hmm. to five and back down, that would be... 15, that'd be 25 total, total reps, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. 25 total breaths. I mean, mm-hmm. so that's all well and good. And that that's amazing. Right. <laughs> um, um, pick up the kettlebell, snatch it overhead one time, take one breath, snatch two times, take two breaths, snatch one, two, three times, take three breaths, work your way up to 10 reps, switch hands, repeat the process. And then set it down. That's kind of mid-level of, of what I'm talking about there. It doesn't sound like much. Oh, it's but, <laughs> if you can but, get to five, like you know, bravo right off the bat. So yeah, yeah. yeah. And and the thing about it is 
the focus of that isn't the snatch. The focus of that is breathing like. Right. Because if you lock it out and you're like. Right. No, mm -mm. you're 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 we're avoiding that fight or flight place. Mm -hmm. And we're we're expanding that comfort zone like I've talked about so many times. Right. Mm -hmm. um, we're right on the edge of what we're able to comfortably do. And so by keeping the breath under control, we're able to remain more calm and comfortable in the midst of all that. Um, we used to do a challenge when uh, I trained at the studio with breath ladders with people to see who could make the sets last the longest, mm -hmm. you know, to like really get the breath. And everybody like understood that from there. And like, yeah, no, if this takes less than eight minutes, no, like yeah. folks, I'm yeah. making a 10 and it, it is, it's a super impactful exercise. Well, and the, the really amazing thing is the look on people's faces when they get it dialed in and they're able to do it. They're just so calm and impassive. And it's like you you literally come to realize that what you thought was the work is the rest. And what you thought was the rest, it's not like hard work, but it's the part that requires the most attention. All your effort is taken away from exerting yourself and put into controlling um, the calmness of your breath, which is, uh, um, you talk about carryover that has a lot of carryover and it'll yes. do phenomenal things for your resting heart rate and all that kind of stuff as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've spent like almost an hour talking about mm -hmm. the Wim Hof method and all that stuff that goes along with it. Exactly. What the hell do we do? Is mm -hmm. So I want to give, um, give everybody a, uh, kind of a brief overview of what a round of basic Wim Hof breathing looks like. And then um, once I've showed you this, um, go do with it what you will. But one of the steps that would lead up to being able to do that long, slow, smooth stuff with the snatches is um, doing breathing ladders with the Wim Hof style breathing, but you're doing way more breaths. So like, let's say mm -hmm. you did 50 swings and then you did 10 Wim Hof style breathing or breaths, and then you did a hundred swings and I'm, I'm pulling numbers out of the air, adjust right, right, right. where you need, need it to be. So those breaths aren't the long, slow, smooth, like, like I just described. Um, they can be, the speed can vary a lot. It's, it's a, it's circular um, in that there's no like pause after inhalation or pause after exhalation for the breathing part. Um, the same way the other thing is, but in, in the other thing I'm encouraging it with the, you know, lock out the snatch and breathe there. I'm encouraging you to keep it nasal. And that's actually the, um, the place to where, or, or the, the marker that I use to, to indicate whether it's time to stop or not. If you can't calmly breathe through your nose anymore, stop that exercise. Mm -hmm. And that's, okay. that's not, yeah. that's not purely a Wim Hof thing. That's, that's, you know, that's a, a whole bunch of different ingredients from my experience got dumped in a blender and that's what came out of it. Right. Okay. Wim Hof's in there, but there's other stuff too. <laughs> All right. So the basic Wim Hof breathing method is this, you're going to inhale fully taking as big a breath as you possibly can. Do I breathe through my nose or my mouth? What it doesn't matter what hole it goes in as long as it goes in. That's Wim's words, but I'm going to say <laughs> so. Most people find it, and myself included, find it easier to do this breathing through the mouth, which was a, a bit of a paradigm shift for me because I had been taught through various other breath modalities, only breathe through your nose, never breathe through your mouth. Literally had one fairly well-known guy who's done some breath stuff. Um, he didn't say it directly to me, but I saw him doing a workshop and he said, if you breathe through your mouth, you cannot neurologically engage your diaphragm. And I'm like, 
you just lost me. I have nothing else that you say is, is going to be mm -hmm. keep my attention because that's so ridiculous. You know, you can engage your diaphragm with your mouth open. Trust me. <laughs> I think this is an interesting debate that so many people have around breath work of the difference in, you know, in it. And it's something that it's like, yes, nose breathing has huge benefits to it, especially with sure. sleeping and like just throughout the day going for a rock, like those types of things. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But as you're going to you know, explain with this, like, yes, if you need to breathe through the mouth, this is not like then going throughout the day and just right. It's like, no, it's a practice from here. Right. So right. yeah, it's like, kind of, like you said at the beginning, like take away <laughs> all the dogma of what it is. Like there's, there's different times to do different things. Right. And yes, definitely. Yes. And like over the past few months, I've seen, um, particularly on TikTok, a, a wave of people who are doing things and they have duct tape over their mouth to force them to breathe nasally. And I'm like, that's dumb. That's absolutely dumb. I'm going to force my body to adapt. No, no, your body's going to adapt whether you decide to or not. What you're going to do is force yourself to, to, I don't know. I don't even understand the process behind that. I mean, it, it, that, it well, makes, I think it's it's the it's the it, race it makes for it, likes. I think in in some things, you know, it's like what? a lot of it's like the race for likes and for something that looks a little bit different. Yeah, yeah. But but to to me to categorize, okay, nasal breathing, the, the, like the whole thing is just a process of eliminating things that don't need to be eliminated, right? Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's like trying to optimize something that shouldn't exist in the first place, right? It doesn't matter how you breathe, really by and large. So, um, and until we start looking at, at what the desired outcome is. Right. Right. So like, that's why Wim says, breathe, however you want to breathe. The important thing is just breathe. Mm -hmm. And then once you get familiar with that, comfortable with that, you can, you can start to play with different variations that make more sense. Like my nasal thing for the snatching, the reason I'm saying to do that nasally and don't tape your mouth shut with it is because that's your indicator of when you're done. Right. Right. And, exactly. <laughs> and, and if you're measuring that and say that you climb the ladder up to four reps and then you have to start breathing through your mouth because your system's so stressed. Okay, great. Write that down. Next session. If you make it to six reps before you, you have to do that, there's measurable progress, right? Love it. <laughs> Volume's the same. Intensity's the same. Output's the same. The only difference is what did the breath do? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but the, um, to say that, that nasal breathing is superior is throwing out the baby with the bathwater, first of all. But then to, to say that I'm going to nasally breathe while I'm doing these exercises, that's fine. I participate in that myself. To tape my mouth shut, to force myself to nasally breathe so that I can participate in these exercises, to me is the same as deadlifting using straps, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. I do it myself. But saying that that is a grip building exercise. You're, you're misinformed. You misunderstand the assignment, if that's the case. And I'm not, I'm not saying use straps. I'm not saying don't use straps on deadlift. And if you need them, use them. If you don't, don't. reason mm -hmm. I would use straps on a deadlift is because I'm doing a lot of grip intensive work with practicing feats. Otherwise, I'm not deadlifting to build my grip. I'm deadlifting to build overall bodily strength. And so if my hands and grip and forearms are already fatigued or they're taxed from my grip training, the specificity of that, is interfering with the generalness of holding on the bar of the deadlift, I'll strap up so that I can pull the deadlift because gotcha. I don't care what you think. Mm -hmm. I just want to be stronger. Right. Um, 
again, there's a nod to Bud Jeffries. I don't there care you what you think. I'm stronger than you. <laughs> you know, that's Bud. What you say doesn't matter. I'm stronger than you. Yes. Oh, I love it. So um, basic Wim Hof breathing, mm-hmm. full inhale, and then relax and let it go. What do I mean by that? Well, if we look at just the physics of what's going on with air pressure, just sitting here right now, if I don't take a breath, the air pressure inside my lungs and the air pressure in the room around me is roughly equal. If I take a big breath in, there's more air pressure inside the lungs than there is outside. And because of that, a vacuum is created when I relax and I return to normal air pressure. If I want to, I can continue the exhale, force more breath out. And now there's negative air pressure inside the lungs, creating a vacuum, which will draw it back in. I want you to stop before you go to negative air pressure inside the lungs. So you inhale it and then let it go. There will still be a, a amount of residual air in the lungs that you could forcefully exhale. That's not what we're trying to do in this particular exercise. There's a place for that. This is foundational. So don't even bother with that. So all it looks like is fully in and then let it go. Like letting go of a balloon. A certain amount of air is going to come out and that's mm-hmm. all. Gotcha. Okay. Would, a good, balloon- would a good physical biomarker on the, on the exhale feel like your <laughs> ab, like when you get that negative air, your abs will contract when you start to feel that? Do you know like you kind of went too far? Yes. If you're contracting your abs to force air to go out. Okay. Like you're blowing out a birthday cake. Right. Candle. (laughs) (laughs) Or like you're blowing up a balloon. Um, You're not forcing anything out anymore. You're just inhaling and letting it go. Okay. So really all the exertion happens on the inhale. Mm -hmm. Um, I had never thought of this before, so I reserve the right to retract this later. But if you think about Olympic lifting, they lift the weight overhead and then they drop it, right? There's no Mm -hmm. um, eccentric in Olympic lifting. As far as I know, I could be completely wrong. And if I am, then then you're right and I'm wrong. Um, and if I change my mind about this later, I'll admit it that I'm wrong too. This is literally me thinking out loud right now. Um, so it's fully in, let it go. Once the weight's up here, you don't slowly lower it back down. Mm-hmm. You don't throw it hard to the ground. You just let it just go. Let it go. Mm-hmm. Just let it go. Okay. So the, emotionally and mindset wise, a cool thing about this exercise is literally each breath is an exercise and letting go and not forcing, right? Mm -hmm. I take it in, I let it go. Mm -hmm. I'm not forcing anything beyond that. I'm not holding on to anything that, that um, would naturally be going away from me either. Um, And so one round of Wim Hof breathing, we generally recommend you do 30 or so breaths like that. Don't get caught up in the number. Don't think that you messed up if you did 27. And don't think that you did, if you did 32, you did too much, mm-hmm. you know, don't, just don't concern yourself with that around 30 breaths. You'll start to feel some stuff happening, right? That's the important part, not how many breaths it took to get you there. So fully in, let it go. And it's deep breathing too. Like the cue we use in, in teaching this is breathe into your belly, breathe into your chest, breathe into your head fully in, right? So it's the difference between like the person who has no breath experience um, beyond just normal day-to-day stuff. Can you see my shoulders? Yep. Mm -hmm. You tell, you tell someone who's never thought about it before, take a deep breath, they'll go. And that's all they got. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Because they're, 
uh, our bodies, the wonderful um, machines of efficiency that they are. If we don't practice deep breathing, we won't do deep breathing. Right. Right. So, um, and if we don't do it, we forget how to do it. Mm-hmm. So you have to be reminded. So fully into the belly, feel the belly expand. I'm breathing through the nose just because it's, it's easier for me to do that right now. Now fully into the chest. Now fully up into the head and neck, which that's where the shoulder lift comes in, right? Chest and, and chest and high shoulder or clavicular breathing have gotten so vilified because you must deep belly breathe only through the nose. If it's the thing that kicks you into overdrive when the saber-toothed tiger jumps out, mm-hmm. it's not bad for you in every case, right? So I call this a full breath because that's what it is. An abdominal breath would, would be the chest doesn't really move. The shoulders don't really move. Just the belly goes in and out. That would be just a purely abdominal breath. Mm-hmm. Chest breathing would be just the chest moves. High breathing, I call it, would be just it's this. And that's that's like the last little little, it's little flipping, flipping the it's flipping the nitrous switch on the general. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right before it jumps over the river, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't with that thing on all the time. It's the, yes. it's the emergency switch, right? Um, but when we forget how to breathe deep and smooth, our default is to go to the emergency, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so fully in, let it go. Fully in through the mouth, let it go. When you get to about 30 of those, um, Along the way, you may experience some tingling. You may experience lightheadedness. You may start seeing flashes of color. You may experience none of that. You may only experience the thought of, this is really dumb. Why am I doing this? It's all okay. Just keep going. Keep breathing. Because the other thing, each breath, in addition to each breath being an exercise in letting something go, it's also an exercise in persistence. Breathing deeply can make you very tired. Yes. As you're doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. And so if you can think, okay, can I just do three more breaths and then I'll stop five more breaths and I'll what a one more, then I'll stop. Keep doing that persist in it. Right. It builds a level of persistence with something that's going on in your body. So there's that, that really, um, really strong interface as well. Right. So mm-hmm. fully in let go for about 30 breaths at the last breath, say it's number 30. Here comes number 30. Inhale. Let it go. Stop. Just stop breathing. Um, I don't think I said this. And if I did say it, it's worth um, reiterating. Do not do this driving, operating heavy machinery, standing up or in the water. Do it seated on dry land or do it lying down in a place. Uh, I recommend everyone start with lying down because there's been more than one occasion where I've been doing it in a seated position on the floor and go into the next part with the retention of the breath hold and kind of get lightheaded and then realize that I only after that do I realize that I'm lying down because I got lightheaded and fell over, <laughs> passed out, right? So if you're going to do it seated, um, don't do it next to a big stack of kettlebells like one guy may or may not have done and almost bonked his head. Uh, <laughs> in the day um, um i recommend lying down it's it's easier to relax that way it's easier to not be concerned i mean if you're lying down you're not concerned about falling anymore right, right. so that whole that's a whole set of things that could distract you that's been taken away mm-hmm. um so you ex you, you let that breath go on that exhale and you go into the retention phase you're retaining or holding your breath right you still have air in your lungs it's again not the big exhale um after you let it go out where you're eliminating every bit of air from your lungs, it's just 
let it go. And whatever's left in there is left in there. Um, it won't be much, but you will be shocked at how long you're able to hold your breath post exhale. Um, typically when I do a workshop, I will have everyone very first thing, take out your timer, watch phone, whatever it is, hit your stopwatch, <clears throat> take, do whatever you want to do. We're going to pretend we're kids at the pool. See who can stay underwater the longest when you're ready, hit your stopwatch and let's see how long you can hold your breath. Go. And, you know, 30 seconds, a minute, something like that for most people. Then we go through a series of, of rounds of doing this and people are holding their breath longer and longer and longer. And it's not uncommon to get two minutes or more really on your very first attempt at going through this. And each round sort of builds on the last round. So if I told you that I could take you from a 30 second breath hold to a two minute breath hold in 15 minutes, that sounds pretty amazing, right? Mm -hmm. But I've seen it happen countless times. So after the exhale and the retention, you don't have to time it, but it's interesting to time it. Um, and the app that they offer from Wim, from Wim Hof Method has a breath timer and some guided breathing built into it. And it's, I don't remember how much it costs, but it's pretty cheap. Mm -hmm. It's worth, you know, it's worth checking out if you're into that. Um, you will eventually get to the point to where you have a very, very strong urge to inhale. If you persist long enough, you'll feel like you're going to pee in your pants. That's the, the outer limit of where anybody ought to be, right? Um, when that happens, you're going to inhale fully and hold it for about 10 or 15 seconds and then let it go. And that constitutes one round. So I've spent 20 minutes explaining something. Now I'm going to summarize it in, in a few seconds, fully in, let go for about 30 breaths. After that last breath, let it go. Hold. Mm -hmm. When you feel strong urge to inhale again, hold for 10 to 15 seconds. That's one round. You're moving on to the next round. If you can do that for two or three rounds initially, that's, that's a lot of benefit that you'll pick up from. Um, if you can only have time to do two or three rounds in any given day, you'll still get a massive amount of health benefit from it. Mm -hmm. um, not just on, on the physiological level with the stuff that happens with influence in the immune system and the circulatory system, um, because oxygen levels in relation to carbon dioxide levels are changing, um, carbon dioxide levels go down. Um, some older explanations of breathing techniques um, imply or flat out say that what you're doing is you're, you're loading your body with extra oxygen. You're storing more oxygen. Um, from what I understand, that's not actually what goes on. Oxygen levels tend to remain about the same, but the carbon dioxide levels go down and high CO2 levels are what trigger us to breathe, to inhale. Right. Yes. Because we've got too much waste. Not, and it's not that it's not enough fuel. It's that we've got too much waste product. Mm. So um, we need to inhale and then exhale that out, right? So as we lower that amount of CO2, our body chemistry tends to um, change from wherever it is to a more alkaline and less acidic state. Mm. Anybody who's paid any attention to natural healing stuff, we eat greens because they're, they're alkaline. Right. Um, lots of diseases... Um, either cannot thrive or are greatly impaired in an alkaline environment. Um, so th that pH level has an effect on, on our, our health and wellness, but also we can over time learn to influence our immune system, our autonomic nervous mm -hmm. system directly through our breath and through our mind. So there's all those benefits that go along. And if you only got time to do two or three rounds, you get a lot of those benefits. 
Mm-hmm. Again, it's like the cold bath, right? You don't have to, to sit and breathe like this for 45 minutes or an hour a day to get the benefit from it. Mm-hmm. It's fun. And there's a whole lot of other stuff that comes along with that. That's a story for another time. But the basic mm-hmm. level, if you do two or three rounds of that every day, watch what happens to you. Yeah. Throw in a 30 second cold shower, like, like normal shower. And then at the end, turn it to cold. Mm-hmm. And cold doesn't have to be as cold as the water will go. Cold just has to be cold enough that you know and that's how you can do progression on that you can get progressively colder or you can go progressively longer or both right what i would recommend doing is start with getting progressively colder for 30 seconds like let's say that that uh what you can handle now it represents halfway between hot and cold right Mm -hmm. and you do your regular shower and then at the end of it you go to that spot and you stay there for 30 seconds and then after a few days of that it won't seem as such a shock anymore you can kind of notch it toward cold until you get to the point to where you're turning it all the way cold no hot water when you get to there Mm -hmm. then start adding time okay Mm -hmm. and and you don't have to do it that way that's how i would recommend you know it's Mm -hmm. it and if you want to play with it with different um ways of doing that um this is all experimental right um that is just a reference point for you to use if you want to start progressively experiencing the cold or progressively experiencing the benefits that go along with the cold. Again, don't do this breathing while you're standing in the shower. Because when you're laying on the floor, wrapped up in a shower curtain, covered in cold water, and your spouse comes in, I don't want them to blame me. Okay. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's interesting what you said about the exhale is like a, a practice every second of letting go. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things which is interesting. And I'm sure you've seen this from... Uh, people that you've worked with on is people get emotional, you know, with this too. Like, and I saw this of getting into some of the deep practices, all of a sudden there's a deep emotion that comes out, you know, Mm -hmm. where it's like, if you're suppressing something, just that aspect of letting go with every breath and that allowance of it to happen. I never saw that really correlation before, but I was like, you know, there's something to this about the mindset piece of, letting go of just allowing this to happen and just kind of embracing the, the hardship that maybe you're going through. Like maybe you do want to breathe, but just holding that for a sec, that has a deeper impact than you might think. But if you put that in your head of like each one is that, that full letting go, just letting Uh yourself go, not forcing it. That's, that is a huge uh, takeaway that if you're going to try this, I think keeping that in your head is a huge benefit. Definitely. And you can even, if you, if you want to get meditative about it, you can, you can bring a specific issue to mind as you're doing it. And with each, with each exhale, you're letting some aspect of this thing that you don't want to experience in your life go. And with each inhale, um, you can picture yourself inhaling something that serves you or that benefits you or that you want to replace it. You know, so let's say that, that, let's just use tension and relaxation, right? I'm going to inhale relaxation, let go attention. Mm -hmm. And that can be expressed physically, emotionally, whatever. Right. But I mean, you can, you can certainly, this is your mind and your breath. Mm -hmm. You only get one shot at this life as far as we know. Right. So, so live it this way. If you, you know, if you're so inclined, (laughs) if you're so inclined, inhale the good stuff and let go of the bad stuff. Yeah. You know, um, and, and those emotional responses in my experience come in a couple different ways. One of them is I'm letting go of something that I didn't even know I was holding on, which 
you know, you get people crying and, and having meltdowns and they don't even know why. And yeah. when we do workshops, uh, it's, it's always known. If, if any of this stuff happens to you, because it could, um, you're in a safe place. No one here's going to make fun of you for crying or any of that kind of dumb shit. Right. Just, mm -hmm. just let that, let that do its thing. Um, the other way that, that that can be going on is, is as you, as you inhale, you're filling up with the thing that you want. And as you exhale, you're letting go of what you don't want. Right. Yes. And you can just detach from that and not get caught up in the process and just kind of have like an interested observation of, of seeing the thing itself change within you. And then you can step back into it and see how it feels. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, you become the, you become the watcher a little yeah. bit of what you're doing yeah. in this. And yeah, you become the witness on that one. I think it's such a huge piece, um, you know, for anybody listening, because, you know, meditation is obviously something that works really well, but like I found, and I know, I mean, just speaking with you and speaking with other people on this breath work is kind of an avenue. It's like a gateway to get into what you're looking for in many ways from something like meditation, Absolutely. plus the added health benefit, plus the added physical benefits of that you're looking at as well. But that ability to clear your mind, to let go in that mm -hmm. position is, is such a, a huge value with, and then adding the cold exposure with it. Uh, the third piece of that, the mindset piece is naturally going to come when you embrace those other things. Yeah. Yeah. So man, this stuff, it's, uh, it's such a powerful practice. And I think like you, like you said, Dave, you know, at the beginning, we're all going to breathe all day today, you know, and if you, if you look at the things that hopefully, <laughs> Uh, hopefully exactly yeah hopefully so if you're look if you look at the things that can truly impact you with your health it's like i always thought of it if just look at math right it's like you know you work out a few days a week great you're going to get 150 workouts in this year same thing with nutrition you know you get three meals a day you're going to take probably 12 to 15,000 breaths a day here mm -hmm. just by math alone that's probably going to have a pretty big impact with you same thing with thoughts you know it's like you have a lot of thoughts during the day so i think this is something that Definitely, if you take this, you know, seriously and put this into your practice of where you're at right now, as you said, do this a couple of rounds a day, see what happens after a week or a couple of weeks of doing this. Um, I'm like you, pretty sure you're going to see a pretty big impact, not only in your physical training, but just how you go about your day. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So Dave, it's a pleasure, man. This time just flies by with you every time that I talk to you. So I, uh, I really I appreciate it. Yeah, I think this is uh, fantastic. I know you have a workshop coming up uh, this weekend, uh, with it, which is in Nashville, right? Mm -hmm. Awesome. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, people, if you're in the area, if you want to, you know, take the drive, um, you know, I know there's an Eventbrite link that we will put right into the show notes here. So anybody can uh, jump in on that. Um, and if you want to follow. And don't, don't hesitate on that because we are, we're pretty close to capacity already. We're doing it mm -hmm. indoors and um, we're pretty close to capacity. Awesome. That was great. I know it's going to be a huge event for you guys. That's awesome. So, and uh, Dave, I know uh, your book, Superhuman You is huge as well. If people want to go check that out, what's the link again that we can uh, put in for people? Go to superhumanyoubook.com. Uh, go there, fill out the form and I'll send you a free copy of it. I just ask that you pay for shipping and handling, which is 10 bucks. That covers my printing costs, my postage costs, blah, blah, blah. So I'll send you a free copy of it for sure. And if you want to know more about, um, just what I've got going on as a coach and how to, how to help you optimize your mind and how to use this breath work to, uh, to, um, you know, do the, do the theta 
brainwave state, which is the goal of meditation and hypnosis is to get into a theta brainwave state so that we can then impress the subconscious mind with the concepts that we want to express, um, replacing the ones that we don't want to go to superhumanucoaching.com. And there's a presentation there that it works and you can fill out um, an application to book a call with me and see about some one-on-one coaching. So those two links, superhumanubook.com for your free book, superhumanucoaching.com to, um, for all the other stuff. Perfect. So Dave has a pleasure. Thank you, sir. This is great. Um, listeners, thank you so much for connecting. If you want to check out more of Dave's stuff or hit up the workshop this weekend, you know where to do so, but don't wait on it. And I will see you on the next one. Bye guys. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I hope you came away with great stories and insights that you can use to create more strength and success in your life. Remember now, for a time, you can grab a free copy of the One Day Strength Challenge, the playbook that incorporates proven strength aerobics training along with the skill of intuition to help you create, design, and achieve your perfect training plan that fits around your busy schedule. Just go to www.thebreakthroughsecrets.com and grab your free copy today. It's your life. Make it the strongest possible. Catch you guys later.